welcome, 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 welcome to the Modern Medicine Movement Podcast. Dr. Thomas Hemingway here. So pumped, so grateful. You. So nice to be back with you guys. So grateful to be here. Oh, it's just another week, another episode, another time to share. It's been crazy. You know, life is crazy. Life is unpredictable. Life is, uh, it never ceases to surprise me. There's always a surprise, you know, as, uh, you know, a board certified and trained emergency physician, I've spent more than 20 years in the ER and, you know, it's a place where anything can happen. You know, you got to be prepared for anything and everything. And, uh, you know, that, that, typically over the years, you know, has helped me to not be surprised by much in life. You know, I've dealt with a lot of surprises often, you know, at work in the hospital, every shift and every occurrence, every patient is potentially a surprise. And, um, but it's a little weird when uh, all of a sudden either you or your family member becomes the patient and it's just kind of sort of turns everything you know and all those um, experiences kind of on their head. It's just, it's a whole different game. And so I think uh, I just, you know, I have a new appreciation for that in the last couple of months. Um, I think as many of you may have heard um, or follow me on uh, Instagram at Aloha Surf Doc or Facebook, Thomas Hemingway or Modern Medicine Movement. You may have uh, um, learned that I've had a recent pretty heavy, <laughs> heavy, heavy, uh, you know, event in my family. Um, my stepmom was diagnosed with um, metastatic cancer uh, not long ago. And um, yeah, didn't start off that awesome with her first oncologist just being really kind of a dud and mostly, uh, you know, on the personal level, like the guy was just not nice, not kind, just, you know, kind of embarrassing for me as a physician to you know, witness this kind of behavior in a, in a physician, especially one that deals with, you know, these kind of heavy issues. And, and so we, you know, have been looking and searching and reading and looking, you know, for other treatments, other physicians. And we actually found another oncologist that we just met with this week that uh, he's human and he was nice. And it's just, it makes a world of difference. So you know, everybody out there, especially if you're in healthcare, just remember to be nice. You know, your humanity, your grace, your, you know, just humanness, just being able to take a moment and have compassion, to have understanding, to just listen. It's something that certainly we don't have to be a medical professional to possess. These are human skills that I hope we can all work on in our life because it just makes a world of difference. And, and this week, at least just meeting this oncologist that, that acted, you know, like a real human that was genuine, that was kind, just was amazing. So long, long road up ahead, but just at least having somebody in our corner that we can, you know, feel comfortable with and trust. That was a huge thing. So thank you guys for your thoughts, prayers, and, and just keep uh, remembering us on our journey here. And um, yeah, be human. So anyway, <laughs> moving right along, it's um, a lot going on also in, in my podcasting land. I've got uh, a new uh, link on my website where you can click to subscribe to my news- newsletter, which will be coming out soon. So check that out, modernmedicinemovement.com. 
Um, got my book coming out hopefully in January. It's amazing. I, I've been meeting with uh, kind of a publisher's uh, agent and we've been kind of working on things and uh, I'm really trying to push for a potential January release. So we'll keep you posted on that. That's super exciting kind of, you know, oh my gosh, it's been such a labor of love the last couple of years. Can't wait to share that amazing tool with you guys and you'll be the first to know when it gets released. So just super exciting times with respect to that. Also got upcoming, uh, you know, subscription group that we're putting together for you guys so that we can have a group, you know, format, a group health coaching, you know, sort of VIP access to me where you can ask me, you know, anything. I'm going to teach you pearls, you know, live a couple times a month. There'll be a lot of cool content and uh, I'll share with you the release of that. That was kind of postponed, you know, mostly because of me and, just the family issues and stuff, but I'm excited to hopefully get that out in the next month or so. And so that's super exciting. Watch out for it uh, on my website, but subscribe to my free newsletter and email list and you'll be the first to know there as well. So modernmedicinemovement.com, take a look for that. And if you haven't already joined my free Facebook group, Modern Medicine Movement, Health and Wellness Facebook group, uh, look, uh, look for me over there as well. And I just wanted to, you know, really thank you guys for, for sharing and for listening to the show because when you listen and then when you write a review and you share, that's what really helps, you know, with our discoverability and helps this to reach out and find more people. So I'm going to go ahead and read a quick uh, review. It just tickles my heart. I read every single one of these. So if you haven't already, please, please, please drop a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so easy. It's uh, you scroll down and look where those five stars are. Click on the one farthest to the right and go ahead and write a review. It's a little icon right below that, the kind of square on the left with the pencil coming out the top. And just write a quick review. Let me know what you're learning. Let me know what you're loving. And this one comes from Jay. Davis, J. Davis 11. And um, this person says, I appreciate you combining holistic with uh, medical knowledge. And that was the title. Five-star review. It says, quote, I love this podcast. I love hearing your knowledge in the medical field, but intertwining it with holistic and natural medicine. It's very much appreciated these days, especially where it seems pharmaceuticals are thrown at every ailment rather than finding the root cause. I appreciate the time you put into this and help educating us. Well, Jay Davis, you are welcome. So grateful for you. So grateful for each of you that write a review because we're going to be rounding out our, our contest period next week. We're finally going to get this. One of you guys, the lucky person who writes a review, will get their name put in a hat. And if you're the one chosen, you will get my free course, my health and wellness course, natural weight loss course that's available Currently, I have it at half price, so hopefully a bunch of you guys can get it. These are going to be a lot of the topics we'll discuss in the special group coaching group. So if you haven't gotten that course yet, jump on over there. It's currently available um, at mastermind.com. Just search up my name, Hemingway, Dr. Hemingway, Thomas Hemingway, of course, and you'll see my picture in the natural health and weight loss course over there, and it's half price. So try to get that real soon. We're actually going to be... Um, hopefully getting its own site for that course in the near future as I'm revamping my website. But right now you can get it on over there at mastermind.com. So without further ado, we are going to get into this week's podcast and this topic, which I got to be honest, it's one of the things that I've been loving, I've been sharing, I've been doing personally for many years. But as I wrote this book, and actually recently I've been you know, reviewing part of this whole editing process as, as I reread the chapter 
that I threw in kind of at the end because it wasn't really a book on um, gut health, for example, but I threw that in as a topic because the book is on how to lose weight naturally and get healthy naturally without dieting, no kind of diet. You don't have to do any kind of diet and you will get to your healthiest you. And as you get to your healthiest you, you will naturally lose weight, which is amazing. And it's, uh, it's a topic I love to share about because it's one of those things that uh, unfortunately is not often taught. It certainly was not taught in my medical school. It's not taught in most, you know, health and wellness, um, nutrition, dieting, you know, dietitian coursework. Um, in fact, most Western professionals are pretty naive to a lot of this stuff, which is a little sad because there's so much out there that's natural, that's whole, that's holistic, that, that can benefit us immensely with our health, our metabolism, our energy, can help prevent all the numerous, you know, chronic diseases that are out there. In fact, I think most of you guys know this, but seven out of 10 of the causes of death, top causes, most common causes of death worldwide, seven out of 10 of them are basically nearly entirely preventable. So if you can't tell, I'm passionate about this because literally we can affect our future. It's our choices, how we live our life, the food we put in our mouth, what we do, how we sleep and manage stress and you know, these things, the movement that we do, these things are so crucial, so imperative, so critical. And through this process, which is why I wrote the book, we can literally avoid seven out of the top 10 leading causes of death. Of course, first and foremost, number one killer worldwide is heart disease. We have cancer, diabetes and its complications, obesity, the neurodegenerative diseases, stroke, Alzheimer's, um, Parkinson's, all these neurodegenerative diseases. And then all these many other ailments that are literally reflected upon us, on our choices, what we put in our mouth, the exercise we do or don't do, you know, how we sleep, how we manage stress, all these things. And I write about it all in the book. So can't wait to get that to you coming out hopefully in January of 2022. And this week's show, I wanted to dedicate to one of the topics I covered in the book that I just, it's near and dear to me because... <laughs> Just, just some interesting stuff along the way, but it's a talk today that I want to share on how our microbiome, our microbiota, the organisms that live in us, on us, within us, how we can help them. Because as I've talked about uh, in you know numerous podcasts in the past on the microbiome and gut health is that Literally, these cells that live in us, on us, within us, in our, in our gut, you know, mostly, most of them live in the intestinal tract, especially the large intestine. These microorganisms, the microbiota, which is actually all of the organ organisms together, the microbiome is actually all of the genetic material, so all the DNA, if you will. And so just to get the terminology straight, I'm a little bit of a nerd and a little bit of a scientist over here. And so... When people say microbiome, they often use that term collectively to refer to both the organisms and the DNA, but really the microbiome, just think of it as the genome of all the bacteria, viruses, fungi, parasites, all those things that live on us, within us, inside of us, that is their genetic material. That's the microbiome. That's their DNA. In fact, what's interesting about this is their DNA outnumbers ours just by orders of magnitude. I mean, they have thousands and thousands and thousands more genes 
collectively together than we have human genes. We have, you know, 37,000 something, you know, the number changes, but somewhere on the order of 30 or 40,000 human genes and the collective gut bacteria and, you know, the collective microbiome that encompasses all of these organisms that live on us, uh, inside of us, within us, you know, com composes literally thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of genes. So they have way more genetic material than we do. And so we are literally more them than we are us with respect to the genome, which is the microbiome. But those organisms are called the microbiota, which is uh, largely found in our gut. And we, if we learn how to take care of these guys, how to, you know, get the good ones to grow and weed out the bad ones, we can literally have them do so many amazing things for us. As I think many of you know, they can produce vitamins, they can produce neurotransmitters like serotonin, for example. In fact, the biggest organ, if you will, in the body that produces serotonin is not really an organ at all. It's the microbiota, the micro microorganisms inside the intestines, the GI tract, these gut flora that produce more serotonin than anywhere else in your body, way more than the brain, probably 70% of it is produced in the gut. So they can do all kinds of hormonal messaging. And in the uh, unfortunate incidents of obesity, these, these gut bacteria tend to send the wrong message. They tell you to crave nasty carbohydrates and you know, those high sugar-containing processed foods because those are the ones that proliferate during obesity. In fact, interesting studies looking at obesity as a, you know, um, effect of genetic material are super interesting because they've done lots of studies, including twin studies, where they'll take identical twins, which means they have identical DNA, exactly the same. They share everything with respect to their DNA, and you can have, you know, depending on the environmental factors, you know, what each twin decided to put in their mouth, uh, exercise they did or didn't do, sleep habits, stress habits, all these kinds of things, depending on that environment, that will be the most important factor in their microbiome. So the genetic material of their gut could be immensely different, even though they have the same human DNA, the identical genome but a very different microbiome. And that's because of their environmental choices, what they do or don't do. And so twin studies looking at that, it's super interesting because they can take identical twins. One of them, for example, let's say is the lean twin and another may be the obese twin, for example, because of course there are identical twins like that that exist and they've been, been studied and this is in great detail and you'll find it in the book, but it's been studied uh, over the years, these twin studies, and it's very interesting to find out that the microbiome of the, you know, overweight or obese twin is very different from the microbiome of the lean twin. In other words, the genetic material of largely the gut bacteria is very, very different. And in fact, what's, what's really cool is that if they take, they've studied this in mice, and I think hopefully they'll be doing it in humans too, but they've looked at this very detailedly in mice where they take you know, same situation where they have, you know, obese and uh, lean twin sharing identical DNA. So they are identical twins and they will swap the, the gut flora or the microbiome by virtue of doing what's called a fecal transplant. So sounds pretty gross, but this is actually being done in humans, 
not you know too uncommonly to treat conditions like bad Clostridium difficile colitis, which is a nasty colitis often caused by antibiotics like clindamycin, and, and these folks can have a really hard time getting better, so they will often take um, stool, poop, <laughs> if you will, from a healthy person that has a healthy gut garden, if you will, gut microbiota, and put that in the person having, you know, the troubled one, or like the one in C. diff, for example, or in this case, they took the lean twins' um, microbiome, did a fecal transplant into the obese twin, and they lost weight. And then when they did the opposite, they took the obese twins' poop or or microbiome or microbiota, I should say, took the bacteria living in the obese twin's gut and did a fecal transplant to the lean twin. The lean twin got gained weight, became overweight, even though they were both having exactly the same diet. So, it, 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 you know, even though the calories, the, the exact, you know, specifications, this was a, a controlled study in mice, and they actually had the exact same diet, but it depended on your gut flora that was one of the primary determinants of your weight. Like super interesting stuff. So today we're going to focus on talking about these super cool organisms called bacteria that live in your gut and how we can get them naturally. Because as you guys know by now, my mantra is always food first. Like try to get everything you can out of food, real, whole, natural food, and then, you know, you can fill in the gaps with supplements, but your primary nutritional source should be your food. You know, I use this analogy a lot with uh, exercise, for example. You cannot ever, in a million years, never going to happen, you cannot ever exercise your way out of a crappy diet. Just can't be done. You know, you've heard of people that are, you know, marathon runners that eat gallons of ice cream a day and all this stuff, and it catches up to them. You just can't exercise your way out of a crappy diet. Just can't do it. It's so important what we eat, the things that we put in our mouth, the quality, the source, so important. And so nowadays in the year 2021, unfortunately, our soils are very much depleted from where they used to be thousands of years ago. You know, the amount of magnesium, the amount of zinc, selenium, all these super important nutrients in the soil are just diminishing significantly. And so there are definitely... Uh, roles there, there is for sure for supplementation to kind of fill in the gaps. But using food first is always my mantra, and it's no different um, with, with the microbiome, or I should say the microbiota. You should start striving to get yours healthy um, with food first. And a lot of times, especially with our deranged, you know, what I call the sad diet, the standard American diet, it's just messed up, and our gut health is not good. And so to get this process started, we may need to take uh, probiotics in addition, you know, probiotic uh, supplements in addition to, to natural probiotic-containing foods because we need to start somewhere. we got to seed our gut. We need to put the good organisms in there back in, you know, significant enough levels so that they can overtake the bad bacteria that's telling them or that's telling you, that's telling your mind, hey, go out and eat those Oreos or that bag of chips or whatever it is. Like most of these cravings that you guys may or may not have, or that maybe you had before, like I did, I used to crave, you know, Snickers bars. I used to love them. I think some of you have heard this story and, and literally you can give me a Snickers bar and it might sit, you know, in my backpack for months or even a year because I just don't crave them anymore. And that's because I've changed my gut, the bacteria that live there, my microbiota 
has changed and I don't have those nasty guys that tell me to eat crap all the time that would be making me obese. I don't have those anymore because I've changed my diet. I've supplemented with probiotics and things in addition. And so today I wanted to just tell you about some of these exciting foods that I've tried many of them, but literally there's thousands of them out there that are super healthy. I, I really think they should be called superfoods because they have so many things in there that we can benefit from. So what's cool about probiotic foods, and these are basically fermented, right? Fermented foods. And there's, there's something really cool about them is that because they're fermented, some sort of microorganism has already had access to them before us. Like, like for example, you know, yeast or bacteria, you know, that make yogurt, um, things like that. They, they have access to the food first. They start the breakdown process, the metabolism, they start breaking down and digesting the food. So when we get to it, when we eat the yogurt or the kefir or the sauerkraut or the kimchi or whatever it is, we are actually eating sort of a pre-digested food, if you will. You know, have you guys ever seen in the animal kingdom, oftentimes the, the mothers out there will kind of chew up and digest the food somewhat, and then they'll give it to the kids once they do that? Like, I don't really want to be doing that <laughs> with, with my kids. I don't think they, they want to be doing that and receiving that from me. But we have that capability through eating fermented foods to get kind of that pre-digested food, which I know it sounds a little weird, maybe gross, but what it does is it provides way more readily available nutrients. So these nutrients are already sort of partially digested, ready for us to absorb, and we have the potential potential to get more out of them than if we just eat the whole food that they came from. For example, if we have, um, you know, yogurt as opposed to a glass of milk or something, the yogurt's going to have a lot more beneficial properties. In fact, most people that have a version of lactose intolerance, most people can actually eat yogurt and some of these fermented yolk um, milk products like cheese, for example. A lot of people can still eat cheese or maybe yogurt or kefir because that pre-digested, you know, process that happens with the different lactobacilli and bifidobacterium and things like that. So it makes the nutrients more available, more, more absorbable by us. In fact, you know, one thing that, that I'm thinking might come down the, uh, the pike really soon is that they've been looking at how to get yogurt to have natural folate. And it's been done in the lab, but they haven't been able to mass produce it yet. In other words, they have certain bacteria that they can use to ferment the milk to make the yogurt, like uh, certain strains of what they call lactic acid uh, bacteria or LAB bacteria, like certain um, versions of bifidobacterium and lactobacillus that specifically are able to produce, they make it natural folate, for example. And they can do this with, with many different vitamins, but folate is one that we all need, especially those that are you know, uh, wanting to have children and stuff. I mean, we want to prevent any kind of neural tube or genetic birth defects, that sort of thing. And having the appropriate amounts of folate is super, super important. And as you guys probably know by now, I did a whole podcast on folate and MTHFR, but a lot of people have a inability to really be able to um, methylate uh, folate very well. That's this MTHFR genetic um, you know, I, I hate to call it mutation, but it is sort of like a mutation. We call it a SNP, a single nu nucleotide uh, shift. But um, these bacteria can make 
natural methylated folate. They can make it because we can't make it ourselves. We have to ingest it in some form, either from plants or, or you know, an artificial supplement, hopefully a natural supplement that has a methylated folate. But we have to be able to take the folate and then use it in our bodies. We can't make it primarily in our bodies. We, we can't do that. It's essential. It's a B vitamin, vitamin B9, and we need it. And so, you know, beyond eating, uh, you know, all the kale and, and, and greens, you know, that we can think of, sometimes we still don't get enough. And so what's really cool is they've been looking at how to um, put the right kind of bacteria in yogurt. I personally love Greek yogurt. That's like one of my main protein uh, things that I look for. And they've been showing that they can take certain lactobacilli and bifidobacterium and actually use them in the production of yogurt to make a natural folate that will be methylated. It'll be bioavailable. And we could actually, instead of having to take any kind of a vitamin supplement for folate, we could potentially get it naturally produced in yogurt. So that may be coming relatively soon. I read a few studies on that in, in uh, writing my book, and it was really cool stuff because I guess for me, I just love yogurt, you know, Greek yogurt, especially for the protein and whatnot. And I love these bacteria. They just do so many cool things. So, so yogurt is definitely one of these um, sort of probiotic style foods. Um, another one that I, I just have to talk about is, you know, being from Hawaii Nei in Hawaii, we always <laughs> have available to us sort of the, um, uh, I don't want to call it the Hawaiian version. I mean, it's not, we kind of stole it, but in Hawaii, we eat a lot of kimchi. And kimchi is maybe a relative of sauerkraut. And I like it better. I don't know. For some reason, I never loved sauerkraut that much, but it's also a very probiotic rich food. And in Hawaii, we have it readily available. I like it because it's just, I like the spices. I just kind of like those spices. And what's cool about both sauerkraut and kimchi is they probably both originated in China or that sort of eastern area literally thousands of years ago. A lot of people don't appreciate this. They think that sauerkraut came from Germany, but actually it's been traced back to China. In fact, the builders of the Great Wall of China were primarily supplied with sauerkraut or or their version of it, um, and rice. That's what they ate like thousands of years ago. <laughs> and the Germans kind of picked up on it. it. It came over to them later on, but uh, we kind of give Germans the credit for sauerkraut. But it's been, it's been around for millennia, really. And that's what's so cool about these fermented foods is they've literally been around for thousands of years. The first um, description of yogurt was, I think, some, somewhere between seven and 10,000 years ago where they had some uh, traders that had these, uh, you know, let's just call them bags. They were bags made out of the stomach of some animal, I forget. But they had these bags full of milk, and they would carry them um, over the plains, if you will, in the Middle East area and, and those places, Africa as well. And they would transport the milk in, in the hot sun. What would happen is it would take the bacteria that was in these bags, you know, these made of, made of some animal stomach. I forget which animal they use, but the, they notice within there the milk would actually turn into yogurt and that they could still eat it. It was still edible. And so, so we've been literally eating fermented foods for somewhere between seven and 13,000 years, depending on what sources we read. And it wasn't just alcohol. Like everybody says, oh, the original fermented food was alcohol. Like, I don't know about that. Might have been yogurt. Anyway, the, the debate may still be on for that. But uh, fermented foods are amazing. It's where it's at. And there's literally thousands of them. I'm going to share with you, I don't know, 10 or 12 today, 
but literally there's thousands out there. When I, when I read this, there's this cool review article that kind of delineated every major culture and all their different fermented foods and beverages. And it just got me excited because there's so many that I personally haven't tried. Like I'm kind of embarrassed. I'm going to, out of my list today, I think there's only one out of the list I haven't tried, but I want to try it. And I want to be able to incorporate these probiotic rich foods because not only they have really interesting, you know, in sort of flavorful, you know, taste, but they are so helpful for our gut and replenishing the good bacteria there. So I'm going to talk about a couple of them. Um, yogurt, I just mentioned, obviously, it's just one of these, you know, highly, it just, we know about it, right? It's popular, right? Um, it's made, of course, by um, the friendly bacteria like the lactobacillus, for example, bifidobacteria, I talked about those. It's awesome for protein content. There's lots of protein in there. That's, that's what I love about the yogurt is I can easily get my protein. I tend to get the ones that don't really have any sugar, um, like Greek yogurt, for example, great source of protein. Um, I get the ones without really any sugar, no added sugar. Um, there are some out there that do like stevia flavor that I get for my kids. I think both, um, I want to say Oikos and now even Chobani both have a stevia flavored uh, natural yogurt, Greek yogurt that uh, doesn't have sugar, which is awesome. Because when I grew up, you know, sort of this low fat craze was in full swing and all the yogurts were quote unquote low fat, but they had tons and tons of sugar. So like not awesome. You know, Dannon was, was, Yo play all these brands were guilty of all that. And nowadays, I think we're coming around to understand that low fat isn't necessarily a good thing. We just need to have the good kind of fat, the natural fat, right, from avocados and coconuts and things like that, and avoid all these seed oils out there. But in any case, yogurt's one of my favorites. Uh, kefir, um, I've had it in other countries. I'm sure it's available here in the U.S. I just don't see it as uh, available. It's, it's kind of similar to yogurt, but it's more of a drink. You know, you sort of drink it. It's a probiotic kind of milk uh, drink, if you will, kind of kind of just like a liquid yogurt. Um, but that's got similar benefits, you know, with uh, uh, similar types of bacteria, which are awesome. Um, it can also, um, what's cool about it too, is most people um, who are lactose intolerant, most of them can tolerate kefir, you know, it just doesn't really have the same amounts of casein and, and uh, so on and lactose. So it's kind of cool uh, in that respect, the kefir um, we kind of mentioned sauerkraut already, you know, traditionally, um, it's probably been around for thousands of years. Personally, I don't love the taste of sauerkraut. I don't know. It's weird. I love kimchi, but I don't really love sauerkraut. My dad uh, actually lived a few years in Germany, so he kind of liked it when he came back and <laughs> he, he would buy it and try to get us to eat it. And I just, <coughs> I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. But the cool thing about sauerkraut is it <coughs> contains some pretty awesome uh, antioxidants, uh, lutein and zeaxanthine. These are kind of in the sort of vitamin A type uh, class of antioxidants, and they're super helpful for vision. I don't know if you guys heard this. I, I, I just got to mention it, but there was a recent, I don't know, within the last couple of years, there was a news report of some kid, uh, um, I think, I can't remember if it was England or someplace in Europe that literally went blind because all the, all the kid ate was basically French fries and potato chips primarily, like literally was living off French fries and potato chips and it basically went blind because he wasn't getting appropriate vitamin A, you know? So like this is a kid that definitely could have benefited from supplements. So it's crazy to even think that that kind of stuff could happen in the year 2021. But when you don't pay attention to the quality of your food, anything is possible. So quality of food and then supplement when necessary. So sauerkraut is cool. Like I said, has lutein and zeaxanthine, which are amazing, uh, antioxidants, um, 
I don't know if you guys have ever tried tempeh, which is from soybeans. Um, I tried it once, but it's just not as available um, as some of the others. I didn't love it, so um, I don't I don't really eat it, but maybe some of you guys out there do. It's got great benefits, obviously the probiotic uh, qualities. It's also got phytic acid. Um, and um, with the fermentation, like I was mentioning earlier, there are some bacteria that can make vitamins, uh, for example, like the ones that I mentioned in yogurt that can make the folate. There's other um, bacteria that can also produce other vitamins, like vitamin B12, for example. And sometimes you can get that uh, via uh, tempeh, which is kind of cool, because B12 is one of those things that, generally speaking, is only available in animal products. It's not something that you can get directly from a plant. So a lot of times folks that are strict uh, vegans or even vegetarians sometimes can get a B12 deficiency because they're just missing out on, on that vitamin because it's not typically present in plants. It's just in animal products. And this bacteria can actually produce it, and it's often found in the bacteria um, in the tempeh. So tempeh might be good for that. Um, pretty cool. Kimchi I talked about already, one of my personal favorites. I, I, I just think, you know, even though it, it's the same root as sauerkraut for my personal taste preference, you know, they both come from basically cabbage. Um, but it's bigger pieces. It's not like a... Uh, you know, super, super thin shredded sauerkraut. It's kind of bigger chunks. And I just like the flavoring, the spice in there. It's pretty simple, but I just, I don't know, for some reason, I just love it. And the, and the bacillus in there is called lactobacillus kimchi. So that's kind of where it gets its name. But um, it's got vitamin K in it, riboflavin, iron, you know, all kinds of cool vitamins in kimchi. And, you know, I think it's traditionally uh, a Korean food, but I just find that it's available, you know, especially all over Hawaii, and I just love the taste. So kimchi is a go-to for me. I like to eat a, you know, a little bowl of it every day if I can. I have access to it, which is super easy in Hawaii. Nay, um, another that I have regularly in Hawaii is miso. You know, hopefully you guys have tried miso soup. Miso is amazing because it's also got probiotic uh, qualities in there, and you know, it, it's tasty. Like, who doesn't love some miso soup, right? I mean, I think the Japanese got it right when they when they figured this out, but they basically also use soybeans to make it, and it's got, uh, you know, salt in it, and it's it's the probiotic um, qualities, of course, as well, and it, and it has some, you know, protein, has some fiber, uh, these sort of things, but um, miso is a great source of a natural uh, probiotic, um, and it's typically, you know, made into soup. That's how I've tried it is in the miso soup. But you can also get it in kind of a paste and you can add it to other things. Um, but it's been shown um, not only to have these important nutrients I mentioned and the probiotic qualities, but it's been shown to reduce the risk of cancer and stroke, especially in women. So miso might be your thing. Um, I, I think it's cool. So miso, go for that um, as an option there. Uh, kombucha or kombucha, I should say, um, I think this has gotten maybe a little bit too much press. You know, there's these juice bars out there and everything. It's, oh, get your kombucha this and kombucha this. And, and you know, it, it does have some good qualities, especially if it doesn't have a lot of sugar. What I found is that a lot of these, you know, they're using all different varieties of juice. And I'm a big proponent of eating fruit and not so much drinking your fruit. And that's kind of the problem I have with kombucha is that uh, – Oftentimes, there's lots of carbs in there, and it's just too much juice for me. So I personally don't love it. It raises my blood sugar, and I just – it's not my favorite, but uh, I think in moderation, and, and if you really like it and you kind of watch, get the good high-quality stuff, it's probably a decent thing. But uh, there's actually not as much evidence behind uh, kombucha, and it's, of course, a fermented green tea drink, but usually it has 
all these other juices and stuff in it. And so there's not a lot of research out there. It's not like on my top couple, but it's definitely got some probiotics in there, which is great. Kind of one of my original favorites as a kid, and I know it sounds weird, but um, as a kid, like I would just nosh on pickles. Like, you know, those big giant pickles um, that you can buy like in a jar, you know, I forget dill pickles, whatever. But I used to just like love to eat pickles. And what's cool about pickles is because they also have some probiotics in them. They've been fermented. You know, it's just a cucumber, right, that's been pickled. And um, because of that, the natural probiotic qualities, it's, it's actually a great source of healthy um, gut bacteria. And, and also it's a great source of vitamin K. And what's been really cool, there's been studies to show this. And I don't know any of you out there with kids, if you've got them to eat pickles or kimchi or these kinds of things, what's interesting is the earlier in life that you introduce these types of probiotic-rich foods or the fermented foods, it's been shown that you introduce them to children, they actually will crave less sweets. And I kind of, you know, noticed this in my kids. We, we didn't feed them very much sweets to begin with. So, so it wasn't uncommon. We just had Halloween a week ago and, and, and my children, like they'll get excited because we get to go out and dress up and that's pretty fun. And you go cruise the neighborhood, you know, get candy or whatever. But literally the, the candy part, like after one day, they just totally forget about it. Like they're not like chowing their candy all the time. Usually we'll find the candy, you know, in their room, you know, six months, a year later that they never even ate because they just don't crave it. And I think part of the, the rationale, at least that, that I've been able to explain, is that they have a healthy gut flora. And one of the things is, you know, as we help them with that, we give them the appropriate foods, supplements, things like that to enrich their flora, but also they, they actually like fermented foods. They love Greek yogurt, um, you know, kimchi. Some of them really love that. Pickles, they all, most of them like that. And so they've been eating these probiotic-rich foods and the data actually shows this, that the earlier in life that children are exposed to these probiotic, you know, natural fermented foods, they will be less likely to be craving sweets. And I think now that we understand, you know, the microbiota and the gut health portion of it, it makes perfect sense because when we got the right good bacteria in there, they're not going to send us these cravings of sweets and stuff. Those are the bad ones we're trying to get rid of, like those of the firmacutes uh, category. You know, you guys have heard this thing going on in social media, you know, if you want to be firm and cute and be toned and, you know, ripped and all that, you got to get rid of your firmicutes, which is the a class of, as a gen genera of bacteria in your gut that aren't that awesome, that thrive off of carbohydrates and, and super highly refined sugars and carbs and, and, and make you want to crave those. So pickles, uh, another one, they got the vitamin K, like I said, if you can get, you know, traditionally um, processed uh, buttermilk, that's, that's actually got some probiotics in there. Um, I just use it for a couple of things that I cook, but I don't, I don't get it very often. But buttermilk can be, um, you know, a good source of vitamin B12, riboflavin, phosphorus, um, calcium, of course. Um, so that's a, that's a decent, if you can get good buttermilk or you know how to make it yourself, that's kind of a cool one, you know, and then use it to make your pancakes or whatever. Um, another one that, that I, I got to be honest with you, um, you know, I love and... I don't even really consider it a probiotic. It's just different cheeses, you know, like the older, the better, you know, like the cheese, some of the stuff I buy, it'll say on the package, you know, it's been, um, you know, two years in the aging process. So I'm sure there's a decent amount of <laughs> bacteria in there, which is awesome because it's the good stuff, you know, it's the lactobacillus, the bifidobacterium and so on. But the cheeses, if you can tolerate it, you know, you don't have problems with dairy or whatever, the cheeses, I, I really love them. I, 
you know, I had, I have cheese with my eggs almost every day. And then I have a one or two or three avocados with that. And that's my breakfast almost every day. So I, I personally love cheese. Um, another thing I, I wanted to mention, I should have mentioned it when I was on the topic of soy, but natto. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever tried natto. It's sort of like, it's kind of a cross between miso and tempeh in the sense that it comes from soy, but it's the fermented soybean. And it's kind of this I don't know. I think what gets me is I've seen it before and it's this weird, funky kind of mucusy texture. And so I haven't gotten over the just the look or the appearance of it. And so I haven't tried it yet, but I'm going to try it. I promise you I'm going to try it within the next couple of weeks and I'll let you know how it goes. I just got to find out where to find it <laughs> uh, locally because I'm not in Hawaii Nei at the moment. I'm sure I could find it there easily. I will be there in a couple of weeks. So maybe I'll just wait till I get there. But, you know, it's one of these um, Japanese varieties that... Uh, it's super healthful. So if you guys uh, have tried natto, um, maybe send me a recipe, you know, email me modern medicine movement podcast at gmail.com or reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram. Tell me how you prepare it and how you like it, because I really want to try it. That's kind of my new goal. You know, when I was just editing this chapter of my book about the gut flora, I realized that literally there are thousands of probiotic rich foods out there. And I've maybe tried a dozen or two, you know, like that's kind of the problem with us in, in present day 2021, you know, human culture is most of our diet is made up of like 10 to 20 to 30 different species of plants and animals. Like it's just, we have such a limited diet when really there are thousands and thousands and thousands of edible, you know, plants out there, for example, and we only make use of a few dozen of them. So, so that's my goal coming up is to try even more of these fermented foods, including natto. So um, like I said, if you guys uh, have used it, shoot me a recipe. How do, how do you like to fix it? Um, as I said, it's a fermented soy product. Once again, it's going to have vitamin K in it as well. Um, and that's been super helpful. In fact, what's, what's interesting, you know, of course with K, you guys are probably know this, but when you, when you have vitamin D and calcium, if you can also have K2, that's one version, there's K1 and K2, but if you can also have vitamin K2, that's going to help even more with the ability to retain the calcium and vitamin D to make strong bones and not have osteopenia and then osteoporosis and all these things to kind of avoid that. Having the K2 is essential. And one of the places you can get it, go figure, natto. So pretty cool, excited about that. Um, can't wait to try it real soon. And some of the others that uh, I haven't tried yet, but uh, you know, just wanted to just get you guys excited about all of these mini and sundry probiotic-rich foods that are out there because there's literally thousands of them. I'll post up uh, in the show notes this article that I read that literally lists, I think it lists a couple hundred of them, but they're literally thousands of different types of food. And of course, it's based on, you know, part of the world and what they eat in that area and things like that. But so many cool things, basically anything you can think of that's been fermented or pickled, you know, the kimchi, the sauerkrauts, these kinds of things, natto, tempeh, you know, that kind of stuff. And then of course, the milk products, the kefir, the yogurt, cheese, that kind of stuff. Anything has been sitting around a long time. Um, I know it sounds weird sitting around a long time, but that's going to have the good stuff, right? The probiotics naturally in there, which are going to come pre-digested. So you're going to be able to, you know, utilize those vitamins and minerals so much better. And you'll be able to get that good gut bacteria in there in your microbiota so that you don't crave the nasty stuff. So just a simple, quick pearl uh, this week for you guys on the naturally fermented probiotic rich foods. Just wanted to share that. I just enjoyed editing that part of my book and just reminded me of all the stuff out there that I haven't tried yet. So hopefully you guys will get the opportunity to try many more of them. Like I said, I'll put the article in the show notes there. And then 
you know, just ask, uh, ask your friends, family, you know, what recipes they might have, what are their favorites. And if they don't have any, try it together. What a better way to get that good gut bacteria in there because you know, the mantra, we got to seed it first then we got to feed it. That's with all the probiotic, or I should say prebiotic fibers, you know, the, the asparagus, the Brussels sprouts, the, you know, cauliflower, broccoli, all these things, prebiotic fibers. And then we got to weed out the bad stuff, get rid of the stuff that doesn't serve us. And one of the ways we can do that is by putting a bunch of good stuff in there. So anyway, that's it for now. Um, hope you guys will be enjoying this in the week and reach out to me, Modern Medicine Movement Podcast at Gmail or Aloha Surf Doc on Instagram, Thomas Hemingway and Modern Medicine Movement uh, on Facebook or join my private group. It's free. Modern Medicine Movement Podcast, Health and Wellness Facebook group. So until next time, please um, enjoy the show, share it and write a review and a big Aloha.